This episode of Engineering the Future is brought to you by Epic Training, supporting engineers since 1992. Epic Training knows the transition to working from home has been difficult for both businesses and employees. That is why we've converted all our courses to online to keep engineers and technologists on track. For more information on how we can help your company thrive, visit epictraining.ca. This podcast is brought to you by OSPI, the Ontario Society of Professional Engineers, the advocacy body for professional engineers and the engineering community in Ontario. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Engineering the Future. I am your host, Jerome James. Today, I'm joined by MPP Deepak Anand, MPP for Mississauga Malton, and Parliamentary Assistant to the Minister of Labour, Training and Skills Development. Deepak is an internationally trained engineer, businessman, and, by, and business, businessman by profession, a passionate community leader uh, to his constituents, and the current Parliamentary Assistant to the Minister of Labour, Training and Skills Development. Welcome. Thank you so much, Jerome, and I would like to say thank you to you for giving me an opportunity to reach out to a wider audience. Uh, so thank you. Absolutely. Let's get right into uh, having you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself. Can you tell us uh, about your career path in Canada? Absolutely. So I, uh, I had uh, landed in Canada on January 15, 2000. And uh, like any other new immigrant, when I came here, um, the person who picked me up was the person I saw him first time and uh, with no family here in Canada. And uh, he told me first thing, uh, by the way, uh, your uh, engineering background and engineering degree is not going to be used here. So if you're looking for a job, so please build a new resume and tone it down so that uh, people will actually call you for interview. Otherwise, you will not be called for interview as well. So I toned it a little bit down, but I was so proud of my engineering grad background. So I said, listen, people whether call me or not, but I want to tell them. Uh, mm-hmm. I am going to apply for the entry-level job, but that doesn't mean I should not tell them about my education. Maybe that's something which is they can actually use it at some point of time. And that's exactly what happened. I actually got a call the next day, in less than 24 hours after I applied. And the reason is not me. The reason was back then there were so many jobs and people were looking uh, for employees. Uh, and I'm talking about Y2K era. Uh, so I got a job uh, from... Uh, uh, automotive company it was uh, tier 3 oem and they were looking for somebody in uh, automotive finishing so when they saw mm-hmm. me uh, background in chemical engineering so that's what they said oh that's the person we want for as a lab technician so i joined as a lab technician uh, in uh, uh, of course in brampton that's where i landed and uh, subsequently i do remember talking to my boss paul kuzmenko uh, first thing Paul said was, uh, listen, you, you're a new country. Uh, in order for us to trust you, in order for us to uh, give you more responsibility, we want to see you having more uh, education from here. And I mm. laughingly asked, told him this. I said, listen, Paul, I appreciate uh, what you're telling me, a good career path. But I'm not here uh, to spend money. I'm here to make some money so that I can bring my wife and my son, who was back then about five months old when I came to Canada 
Uh, so I right. have a union with my family. And uh, so um, he was very kind. He uh, offered me uh, a good deal. He said, if you go back to school and if you get B plus, I will pay for that course. And I do remember I went back to Sheridan College. I took courses in uh, uh, quality assurance. And uh, people will ask, why are you here? I will say, I'm here to accomplish two things. One, to learn so that I can grow. Two, to get 69% plus marks so that I can get paid for these courses. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was a good uh, start. I actually got, uh, uh, I took five courses plus one, six courses total at Sheridan College. And I was uh, promoted from the lab uh, technician to a quality technician to a quality engineer to a quality manager uh, in the next right. two years. So it did help me in this case. Education uh, did uh, was useful. Uh, mm-hmm. Back then, I honestly, because I as soon as I landed and I got the job quickly, I actually did not pursue much into the bridging courses. I did look at right. So you can you continued to 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 work. You went right into working. You had a, a goal in mind. You needed to reunify with your family. And you you just wanted to continue down that path of what you were doing at the time. Well, I did look at uh, look at professional engineering as a designation as I was progressing into my path, uh, and mm-hmm. I I had a choice: should I go to Sheridan College, get my study, and progress in what I'm doing, or should I look at the uh, profession? And I found it was a little bit hard at that point of time because one of the requirement was that you have to be working with a professional engineer for two years. And that was right. very difficult for me to match. So I, I took the path. Uh, today, you know, it is very difficult to say what would have been the outcome because nobody has a, that crystal ball. Uh, I was lucky, probably. I met Paul Kuzmenko. He helped me and I could progress. And in 2005, when my daughter was born, uh, you know, I wanted to, again, I, by this time, I understood the value of the education. And uh, so I went back to school. I did my full-time MBA at Schulich School of Business. And okay. uh, again, uh, I was a little bit lucky because uh, when I was in my uh, first semester and uh, one of the things, one of the requirement was to give your resume to a career development center. So I gave them my resume and in my resume, I wrote about what I did in the past at NovaQuest where I was uh, progressing towards through the uh, from lab technician to quality manager, so uh, that actually helped me because uh, there was a com- there's a company in Morecard Investments uh, in commercial real estate, very different, but what they were mm. looking for somebody in a process improvement. So okay. in within my first semester, I actually got a job as a summer student with Morecard Investments, and uh, that paved the path for next four and a half years. So. Uh, I started as a lab technician, moved into MBA. From MBA, I got into the role into Morecard, and I was there for uh, till 2012. And during this time, one of the things that happened when I was at uh, Schulich, uh, something mm-hmm. one of our professor, her name was Pat Bradshaw, had wanted to do an experiment. She felt all the people in the business schools are all about money. She wanted to bring more humanity into them. So she wanted to bring them to the courses like sustainable value creation, corporate social responsibility, triple bottom line. And I really got connected to that um, notion. 
so I took many courses in sustainability. And one of the requirements in those courses was uh, uh, to join as a board of director for a local charity. So I, rather than becoming a member and volunteering, they fast-tracked us to become a board of director. So I became board of director for two charities. One of them was Telecare Brampton, and the second was uh, Indus Community Center, which is called Indus Community Center. It used to call India Rainbow Center back then. Uh, what an opportunity. It, it was a great opportunity. And you know what? I want to tell you one thing. Volunteering or good work is one addictive thing. Once you get mm-hmm. into this, um, you you do good. When you do good, you get thank yous. When you get thank yous, you want to get more of those thank yous. So what you do is you do more of the good work. And that vicious cycle of doing good adds up. And you don't get out of mm-hmm. it. You keep doing more and more and, and you are a great example you, you have a job you i'm sure uh, you have a family and other responsibility but you're here doing this what is this this is giving back to the community that's the addiction that i'm talking about so <laughs> why thank you so that's exactly what happened so uh, mm-hmm. so i joined those uh, two charities what happened during those charities on the board every time we talk about uh, uh, for an example, uh, we talk about in this community center, we got our funding from the government. And because of that funding, we were able to help about 80 uh, seniors. And when those 80 seniors told other friends, about 120 more seniors came to Indus Community Center said, hey, you know what? You guys are doing an incredible job. But we want to be part of it. So they became on the wait list. So now having said that, what we noticed is when you were doing something good, it was eventually leading to either you need a change in the policy. For that, you go to a politician or you need more funding. For that, you go to a politician. So my role as a board uh, in the board became, so I, I noticed that, you know what, we, I'm able, I love helping. I love this notion of getting thank yous. But if we want to get more of these thank yous, I want to do more of this community service, more of this volunteering. Every time we go to a politician, what if I go to that path? Maybe I'll be able to be one and able to help people in that direction which I'm taking. So this is one uh, thing that changed that happened during the uh, Shulik time and post Shulik time. And the, right, right. And the second thing happened. I uh, I started going. Uh, this again. I I started going out and doing volunteering because of my uh, being on a board. I'm meeting other people. They'll invite me over. Oh, we're doing a tree planting. We're doing cleanup community cleanup or doing something. So you tend to go to those pieces, places, you meet new people, you find out how much they're giving, how much good they're doing. So you get inspired and you want to help more of it, right? And that happened. And that's where I met Malton Community Building Project, MCBP, we call it. And again, it was an umbrella organization with about 50 organizations all talking about how we can improve Malton, how we can improve these pe- mm. services to the people of Malton. So I became uh, the co-chair of Malton Community Building Project. Within that arena, one of the other organizations was Brampton Springdale Network. So I became part of that. Now, once there was an uh, event that took place between these two organizations, it was in Brampton. And uh, in that uh, event, there were about 28 agencies and only 20 people showed up. It's kind of saying, you know, we have a palace on wheel where you have only 20 guests and uh, 28 uh, people to serve you. And I asked them a very simple question. What's the reason why you have more service provider 
and less of the people who want service. So they mentioned it to me. One of the biggest challenges is the outreach. Yes, we have the services, but the government does not allow us to pay for the advertising and marketing. All they allow us to do is pay for the program. They can they pay us to serve the people, but they don't give us the money to put a ad, radio advertisement, TV advertisement. If people won't know it, how will they come for the service? And that was my first re- uh, question to them. So that you know, Jerome, one thing I loved and learned in my life is if you see an opportunity. Uh, what it tells you is that God somewhere wants you to take that opportunity and convert that into, again, going back to my love for getting those thank yous. So I actually started a radio program. And my oh, radio really? Program, okay. Yeah, so I started my radio program. And my radio program was not a Bollywood song <laughs> or talking about politics. My radio program was very simple. What I would do is I would call two of these agencies on a given day, and it was used to be a weekend program, by the way. Uh, so it was used to be uh, on every Saturday, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, I found out that's the time when most of the family members are either going to a party or coming back from the shopping. So that was the perfect time. And uh, what I started doing is I, you know, I'll invite two of these uh, community organizations and I'll ask them a very simple thing. Uh, number one, uh, what do you do? Number two, uh, what are the typical problems we will come to you for? So with that, we will open up the telephone calls. And now people who are driving, you know, and mm-hmm. somebody has an example, he wants to know about the housing. So they will call, you right. they will say, hey, I've been waiting for the housing. This is my situation. What do I do? Stuff like that. And, and the beauty of that was because it is a radio, uh, the service provider cannot see who's calling and the person who's calling is absolutely private. Uh, so his her privacy is maintained. So that uh, program, radio program, gave me a lot of benefit. We hope you're enjoying this episode so far. At Ospi, we're here for you, making sure government, media, and the public are listening to the voice of engineers. You can learn more at ospi.on.ca. It helped to elevate your profile you were able to connect with the community they saw uh, a person in you that was uh, there to help uh going forward right um can you can you uh bridge from that experience uh, how you entered politics absolutely so what you said was uh, probably pers- good from your perspective but what it actually gave me by sitting in the radio program i was able to find out what are the problems people have and where to find the solutions for those problems. So that's exactly okay. what I found. So anyhow, so that, you know, fast forward, I got, now I found this love for volunteering, love for you know, meeting people, love for my thank yous. But th- there was a small problem. I was having a job, which was full-time nine to five. So I felt, you know, if I want to pursue this more into this field, I need to leave that nine to five structure. So I actually went back. Uh, to the drawing board, had a conversation with my wife. And I have to say this to you, uh, one of the biggest, not one of the biggest, this is the only reason I was able to do what I could take those risks is because of my wife. She always was there when I was doing my uh, my uh, MBA. I did a full-time MBA. She was taking care of the family and the uh, uh, kids. When I was uh, in a situation to take this decision, she was the first one to say, yeah, absolutely, why not? So I left the job and I started a business. Nice. Took a big risk, by the way. And 
Oh, wow. yeah. So, so fast forward. Yeah, today that's where I am. And uh, other than that, we did a little bit of small projects on the way. We, I, I did uh, e seniors uh, teaching computers to the seniors. Colors can talk. Wherein we bring, brought in the children with the autism uh, and uh, talked through the paints. Uh, immigrant immigration uh, immigrant uh, man- mentorship program so these kind of things small projects help me to understand the community and by that uh, help me uh, to become an MPP. excellent excellent let's switch gears a little bit um a, a bill has passed in the legislature that has re- removed the requirements uh necessary for uh canadian experience uh to get your PNG license. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about this legislation and how will it affect the scope of engineering going forward in Ontario? Absolutely. So um, this is not only for engineering. I mean, there are other about 33 total professions into that. And so what has happened is, uh, as we know, CASH 22, uh, you need to have an experience to get a regulatory license. To get a license, you need to have an experience. So what we're doing is uh, we have changed, we're trying to change that as long as there is no risk to the health and the safety. Uh, so there is no need for a Canadian experience. That's what has been changing. And the reason for that was in 2016, when we looked at the data, only 25% of the international trained immigrants were working in the regulatory experience, uh, uh, regulated professions. Uh, so that's what we, oh, yeah, wow. only 25%. So think about a situation today. We have about 330,000 jobs which are vacant and we have people who have education, uh, but they're not regulated. They don't have the, uh, the necessary um, designation and professional uh, designation and they cannot join those. So it is estimated that uh, because of this change over the next five years, our uh, Ontario is actually going to be having an additional 12 to $20 billion of them. Wow. That's how impactful it is. Would you say that um, if this legislation had passed um, back in the early 2000s, would that have affected or effectively changed your career path? Well, I do not have a time machine. I don't have a crystal ball. I will be honest with you. Uh, Only thing I would say it would have changed the life of many, many people. Uh, you know, uh, I was lucky enough that I met Paul Kuzmenko. I was lucky enough to progress on a path where I could go. I was lucky enough to have my wife who could afford to pay for my education and still working. Uh, and, uh, but I can definitely say one thing, uh, that this, is, this change is monumental. It is, you know, put it this way. There are people who have, uh, who have the knowledge, who have the experience, who have been working in the, in the home country. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. people, the same people, the, the experience, uh, yes, the circumstances have changed. I agree with you. But that doesn't mean that they, when they, they take, I, I used to laugh at this, when you take a plane, is that during the travel, do you brain, they, do they take away everything that your brain has? It No, you still have everything within you. Actually, I actually have another take on this. You know, you are working, you have education, you have an experience, then you come here and then you don't work into that field for five to 10 years. You actually lose that ability somewhat, right? So right. easy answer to your question. I don't know specifically for me, 
what would have been today, I would have probably be setting the same path, same way. But I can tell you, the number which I talked about, 25% would be much higher. Mm. Would you say that the um, uh, curriculum requirements or that education piece is uh, could take tweaking or do you agree with how things are um, currently with respect to obtaining your png well again i really personally don't have a direct experience with the png because i mm-hmm. did not pursue that uh, after the first attempt of uh, and gave up uh, but there i know there are many courageous people who are pursuing it and i want to encourage them listen i want to tell one thing uh, you know, this is a beautiful country. It gives us a lot of opportunities. And we have a need right now. We have over 330,000 jobs which are vacant. Mm-hmm. And put it this way. Just think it this way. Yes, sometimes you have to take a small pain, but it eventually is a long-term gain. It's a right. short-term pain, but a long-term gain. Think about this exactly. way. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you effort. It's going to probably cost you time with the family as well, right? But when you become, when you have that profession designation, Let's say your income goes up by 20-30%. But don't look at it's only 20-30% today. Look at it, it's going to be if you have 20 years of work left or 10 years of work left, you have to add that as well. So uh, I think it is our responsibility as a government, it is your responsibility as an organization to lend that hand and help those people who have the ability, who have the will to to upgrade themselves and, and give back to the community more. Can you speak in terms of public safety a little bit more i I know that you touched on it and i'm sure that um the government has gone over uh possible scenarios and how this would affect um uh, the community uh going forward but what were some of those considerations that were talked about um before putting this legislation forward with respect to public safety and and measuring that uh, against uh, the economic impact that you also mentioned that was a, a great boon for the individual as well as Ontario. Absolutely. So when we talk about what we were talking about, looking at, for an example, reducing the burdensome duplication for the official language proficiency. As you know, when somebody's immigrating to Canada, they need to be good in English. There is a, they actually have to take a test for English. And then you take a test for English to become a professional designation. So that's a duplication. It's not just, uh, you know, basically the people when they come here, they have an obligation to put food on the table. Uh, They have to build network. They have to build relationship. And then you put an additional cost and additional time requirement. So that's one thing which we looked at and we found that we need to remove this burdensome duplication. Uh, The second thing which I did talked about is the uh, getting a Canadian work experience, two years. Uh, you know, that's that's additional cost. Um, other than that, again, we're not saying that, uh, you know, health and safety is paramount. There are certain professions, probably, say an example, if somebody has to become a nuclear engineer or whatever, working where it, you absolutely need to have follow uh, the guidelines and everything. No, we're not talking about that. There are exceptions possible, but on a generic basis, you know, uh, we should we should promote this at the, at the end of the day and make sure without compromising health and safety, give them a, la- a hand and progress them a path. And once they have an experience, maybe they that's point they can go to those stringent uh, 
professions. Yes, thank you so much for that insight. Um, today is Pienge Day. Do you have any uh, shout outs or comments that you'd like to make on, on behalf of uh, the Ontario government with respect to Pienge Day? Absolutely. Listen, if you go out, we are enjoying the benefit of engineers. When you're driving, you're driving in a car, engineers. You're driving on a road, engineers. You're driving through the, through the um, you know, uh, bridges, that's engineers. You're using the electricity. We're talking to each other, engineers. Listen, I'm not a professional engineer, but I have an engineering background. And I can't thank world enough, actually, those people who were the pioneers who started this, those thinkers, those hardworking people who believe that we need to do more to give more. And uh, I want to give a shout out to all the engineers. Uh, you are leaders, but the job of a leader is not to follow, but to lead. So go out, reach out and find one person and mentor or be a mentor for that person. Give it, a, Make it a mandatory for yourself that I want to make sure that I, I, somebody at some point of time helped me. That's how I got the experience. So I will make sure that I will at least help one person to get that experience. And that's uh, my message on uh, this day uh, to all the engineers. Member Stevens, the member for Mississauga Mall. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Two years ago, the Ontario Society of Professional Engineers received unanimous consent from all parties to make March 1st Professional Engineers Day in Ontario. Our government has a great respect for the engineering profession and we will continue to support our local engineers. 85,000 professional engineers and nearly 250,000 engineering graduates in Ontario are the economic engine of our province. They help create jobs, foster new technologies and in turn build value for our economy. Ontario is experiencing a fundamental technological and economic shift creating a demand for highly skilled workforce. As Premier Ford says, our economy is on fire. More than ever, we need economic prosperity to increase the revenue of Ontario government so that we can reduce de deficit, pay our, our debt, and make further investment in the services that we need, and all that without borrowing from our children. Mr. Speaker, Engineers believe in social responsibility as commitment to place public safety and interest ahead of all. For the future of our province, it is critical that we recognize the importance of our engineers for the prosperity and growth of our communities and the quality of life Ontarians deserve. From a fellow engineer, I want to wish all engineers across the province a happy Professional Engineers Day. Mr. Anand, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure and uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Absolutely. MPP Deepak Anand is a current member of the Provincial Parliament for Mississauga Malton and the Parliamentary Assistant to the Minister of Labor and Training and Skills Development. I'm your host, Jerome James. You've been listening to Engineering the Future. Thank you for listening. From all of us at OSPI, the Ontario Society of Professional Engineers, thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.